I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles Christmas Countdown, the podcast that this December pits two Christmas movies with something in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. This week in the red corner, a bona fide Christmas classic, Frank Capra's favourite film of his own, one of James Stewart's favourite films of his own. We're heading to Bedford Falls to witness the brilliant existence of George Bailey in 1946's It's a Wonderful Life. Well, in the blue corner, more angelic assistance, this time in the form of Cary Grant, helping out a troubled David Niven. Or is he? Maybe he just fancies the arse of his missus. From 1947, we're meeting the bishop's wife. Mary, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow and the next day and next year and the year after that. I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet and I'm going to see the world. Italy, Greece, the Parthenon, the Colosseum. Then I'm coming back here and go to college and see what they know. And then I'm going to build things. I'm going to build airfields. I'm going to build skyscrapers a hundred stories high. I'm going to build bridges a mile long. Were you going to throw a rock? Hey, that's pretty good. What'd you wish, Mary? Buffalo gals, can't you come out tonight? Can't you come out? Once upon a midnight clear... There was a child's cry. A blazing star hung over a stable. And wise men came with birthday gifts. We haven't forgotten that night down the centuries. We celebrated with stars on Christmas trees, with the sound of bells, and with gifts. So it's an attack of the angels on this week's shows, but which will be heavenly and which will be cast into hell? Let's find out. Welcome to Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Butters. You look a little older without your clothes on. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. And welcome to our first Clash of the Titles Christmas Countdown 
Merry Christmas, guys. Thanks. How are you? I'm really excited. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, I love Christmas. Me too. That Chris. never changes every do you, year. Do you love Christmas, Chris? I do. Yeah. And I love w- these films. Oh, it's a great start to our Christmas countdown. Has everyone done their Christmas shopping? I've done half of it. Okay. Yeah. Have you got our presents? I have, actually. I got your presents ages ago. Okay. Yeah, because I'm always thinking of you. And so I see things in the year and I think, I'll get it then for Christmas. That's really good. I wish I had that capability. I'm very much a last minute. Or at all. Or a not at all, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Christmas post is a nightmare. <laughs> it's a nightmare. Chris, have you got our Christmas presents? Uh, 50% of them. Who's? I'm not going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Who's easier to buy for? Is it me? Not going to say. Oh. All right, fine. Bar humbug. You're easy to buy for, actually. Am I? Yeah, you are quite easy. You've got a wide ranging tastes. Okay. You're hard to buy for because you're very particular mm. and vocal about what he doesn't yes, like. Yes, so it's actually quite intimidating. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm. Uh, I, 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 are you going to ask me or? Are you, oh, have sorry. You, have, you, have you just now presumed year on year that I am going to fail at bringing Christmas gifts to our Christmas dinner? I've lowered my expectations. Okay. Here. Okay. Well, then I'm not going to say. <laughs> not going to say. Uh, right then, uh, very quickly, uh, it's still your time to pick our movies for the listener selection on Clash Pod. Fanuary is coming up. Chris, what's the news? Email your desired pair to show at clashpod.com. We have received over 250 suggestions. <sighs> it's amazing. Thank you to everyone who has emailed in. But there's still time. We haven't had to sit down to discuss what I'm picking. Um, <laughs> I uh, put my asterisks on the Google Docs. Yes, I did it in pink to annoy it's, you. <laughs> it's a benign dictatorship. And how we're doing it is we each put a star against the pairs we want. And any film that has three stars next to it, we'll discuss in the pub. Right then. I'm excited. I haven't had yeah. a look yet. It's good. Is it really yeah, good? Yeah, honestly, it's really good. It's very good. Is it really? Yeah, it really is. is. It really? Yeah, there's something there that I know are for me, so I'm pleased. Brilliant. Brilliant. So we're definitely going to be running into February Fanny as well. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant stuff. All right, let's get back to today. Welcome to part one of It's a Wonderful Life versus The Bishop's Wife. Chris's choices this week for a change. So, what was the thinking, Thrilly? Well, wanted to do It's a Wonderful Life since the start of time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a classic in my household since I was a little kid. And so it was just, well, what do we pair it with? And we came very close to pairing it with Christmas Carol, or Scrooge rather. And then at the last minute, I messaged you guys and said, oh, there's another film with an angel and I remember from my childhood. Shall we do it? And you both like, yeah, all right. <laughs> and then I was really worried because I haven't seen it since I was a kid. But then I watched it, I was like, oh, no, this is weird. We're going to have lots to say about where this film goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's Thursday, though. That's Thursday, because obviously today it's a wonderful life. Uh, the clue V and I gave on last week's show uh, was a mess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, unsure, I'm unsure what the clue was. So uh, Chris uh, Chris was recording remotely last week and his connection fell apart. So uh, you and I came up with something like, I think I was going with an, on top of a Christmas tree. Yeah. And you went with... Hello, Angel. Hello, Angel. Happy Christmas, yeah, which uh, is wicked. What was your original clue, Chris? Uh, next week we're winging it. Yeah. 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 So Good much clue. better. Good clue. <laughs> Good clue. Uh, so uh, what did you follow up on Twitter with, though, Chris? I didn't because you gave out uh, two clues on the show and I thought, no, those are two clues this week. Mm. And if you can believe it, believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Your guesses arrived from heaven to our Twitter at ClashPod. We're also on Instagram and TikTok at ClashPod with loads of beautiful extras and video from the show. And if you're in the business for a little extra Clash, completely free of charge, by the way, why not check out our YouTube channel for some lovely videos from the show with some of the best bits of clashing from the last few years. But the news is... 
We got one correct guess. You guys nailed it. I mean, we didn't get we didn't get a lot of guesses, did we? We didn't get a lot maybe of four. Yeah. But only one was correct. So come on, high five! Yay! You don't do that enough. Well played. No, don't. Yeah. Well played. Yeah. Congrats then to Anna Wilczek, who was the only person to get it right. Your prize, Anna, is your own set of wings. Yes, you, Anna have won your wings. Unfortunately, we work on a budget here, so they're not actual angel wings. We're just going to staple a sparrow to your back. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you'd like that. Uh, Although... This, I'm sorry. this is weird. I've worked out that the word sparrow makes you laugh. Like, remember that time I said, you know, when you're standing in your garden throwing jam at a sparrow, and you found a sparrow. Some it's a trigger. Oh, that's so weird. Mm, yeah, it was a little test I did there. So uh, <laughs> welcome to the experiment. You passed. Uh, I'm tempted not to give it to Anna though, because I did go on her Twitter feed, and the first thing on her Twitter feed, she retweeted the John Lewis advert, which I hadn't seen until this morning. And so okay, she's wrecked Christmas. For oh, you. I just spent this morning crying. Oh right, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, it's a tear. Is it? Yeah, cool. Yeah, they've done a, a cover, a slow cover of I think it's what my age, what's my age again by Blink One Eight Two. Oh yeah, but it's a dad learning to skateboard. Yeah, because he's got a foster kid coming Whoa. who wants who likes skateboarding and so okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so cheers for that and a will check uh, right then connection section angels without wings yes that's, Hot- that's kind of what all i've got really Hot- well i've got shared cast members do you know all this i've got a uh, little bobby anderson yeah who and- plays the young george bailey and the kid in the park in yeah so zuzu is also debbie same same girl okay yeah it's funny isn't it um robert anderson did you see what he went on to do no he um produced passenger 57 and demolition man wow (laughs) wow 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 (laughs) what a career thank you young george bailey i didn't recognize any other film he'd sort of been involved with but those two that'll do amazing amazing uh cary grant yeah. It's a connection, obviously, he stars in The Bishop's Wife, but It's a Wonderful Life, as I'll shortly be explaining, was originally intended as a vehicle for him. Um, Heart the Herald Angel Singh is in both films. Uh, skating is in both films. Uh, both protagonists want to build something. Um, they both got. They both become friends with taxi drivers. Yeah, chippy cab drivers. Chippy <laughs> cab drivers. Um, the, the, the titles rhyme. Um, they are... <laughs> are you okay? They are... <laughs> He's oh, malfunctioning. Yeah. Weirdly. <laughs> These Christmas films are both very much about needing and getting money. Mm, that's very true, yeah. Got oh, that. yeah. It's all about the Benjamins. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that at all. Yeah, Praying for Help is in both as well, and literally kowtowing to rich people, either Mr. Potter or Mrs. Hamilton, but the use of the word kowtowing in both movies. Excellent. Mm. Very good. Uh, uh, do you know what, uh, where kowtowing comes from? No, I don't. It's ancient China. Is it? Yeah. Uh, kowtowing was an act of deep respect shown by prostration, kneeling and bowing so low to have one's head touching the ground. It's what you did to the emperor. Okay. You had why? a busy week, Alex. <laughs> 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 but why do we call it kowtowing? What's the Because the Japanese, um, the Chinese rather word, kowtow, it's, uh, it's oh, really? we, we borrowed that word. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Mm. That's awesome. I didn't yeah. know that. I know. You expect it to involve cows and I towing did. in some way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> not at all. Uh, right then. On Thursday, Vicky will be meeting the bishop's wife, which means today, no, it's not a documentary about me. It's simply called It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> Let me take you on a journey.
Yeah. George Bailey is a sucker. Every time he tries to do anything for himself to follow his dreams, he gets suckered back into never leaving Bedford Falls. Whether it's to run his dead dad's boring business, falling for a woman who smashes records when she doesn't get her own way, or funding his brother's existence so he can meet the president of the USA, something always keeps him trapped in the town he's desperate to leave. When everything becomes too much and George thinks of ending it all, an angel appears to show George what the town would have been like if he'd never existed. And it turns out it would have been amazing. (laughs) Strip clubs and bars on every corner, dancing girls and cocktails as far as the eye can see, a veritable dreamland, ladies and gentlemen. Pottersville is possibly the most perfect movie town ever put on film. Not for George, though, who punches a policeman and assaults a librarian and suddenly realises he might not be welcome in Pottersville, so hightails it back to boring Bedford Falls just in time for people to give him loads of money because, sure, why not? Merry Christmas. <laughs> I miss Pottersville. The end. <laughs> <laughs> Class brothers, for your consideration, it's a wonderful life. I'm joking, by the way. It's a joke. I loved it. It's okay. It, it got me here. Oh, yeah. Where there's a stone. <laughs> It got me in my cold, hard rock. (laughs) It really did. Uh, Right then, uh, let's do our individual histories with this movie. I'll start first watch for me. Uh, Obviously, I knew the Paramus. I've never just just never got round to watching it because why roll the dice at Christmas time when you can watch Scrooge for the tenth time? (laughs) Yes, so true. (laughs) I mean, why why take the risk? So I've just which is both a classic and a modern film. So it's two for one, really. Yeah. It's, it's, it's better than this. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Chris, for making me watch this film finally. I very much enjoyed it. What's your story? I've watched this every Christmas pretty much for the last 40 years. Wow. Yeah. So I've seen it a lot. I mean, there's been a few years off here and there. But yeah, it was one of my mum's favourite movies. She's the one that introduced me to the films of James Stewart. And this was always a really special one. And I've enjoyed introducing it to other people. And I still get something out of watching it because there's just a lot going on in this movie. I notice things for the first time this time. And I might have seen it 40 times. <laughs> That's because we're doing it for the pod, though, isn't it weird? When you do it for the pod... You got that brain, that brain part, that brain part, technical, that brain part activate. <laughs> it, but it didn't particularly spoil it. Going hardcore, okay, analytical no. into it. The thing that I, the thing that I think everyone has a slight problem with it. Maybe we'll talk about when we get to the change. Is is, is always been there, but the film itself is just great. Oh, I'm interested to know what that is. V, what's your story? I'd seen it once before, but I was too young, I think, and I, I think I watched it for work. So it was like for like when I was agenting work. For your other podcast, yeah, for <laughs> my other podcast, begrudging Christmas classes. <laughs> Um, so I was in my early 20s and I'd watched it because I, when I started as an agent I was really conscious of the things I hadn't seen and I did start around Christmas time I was like fuck it I've got to watch this so I wasn't in the right frame of mind I felt a little bit under duress a little bit pressured and I think I was just too young to get it properly I was like five whatever okay yeah I can see why it's a classic and then I never wanted to rewatch it because I was in the wrong place when I did watch it and I am so glad that Chris made us watch it because it's obviously incredible so mm. I, I feel the same as you you were in the wrong place just because you were too young, not an emotional void. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> both. Right. Yeah, both. Yeah. I'm a different person now than I was when I was 23. You so. seem a lot happier since you've met us. <laughs> do I? Yeah. <laughs> 
that's a big swing. <laughs> but it's true. It is true. All right, let me tell you a little bit about this film then. So it's based on a self-published short story by Philip Van Doren Stern. Uh, he couldn't find anyone interested in publishing his story called The Greatest Gift, so he made it into a pamphlet and sent it to friends and family for Christmas. And somehow it found its way to RKO Pictures. Did you read it? No. But it's really short. It's the, it's the length of a Christmas card, basically. I heard pamphlet and it already felt too long. Mm. <laughs> George Pratt is the character. Mm. And, uh, I mean, it's very slim, but the, the angel gives him a box of paintbrushes and tells him to go and be a paintbrush salesman, which is how when he comes back and no one knows who he is, he's able to talk to people and go into their homes. Right. Um, but the, the real difference is there's a bloke called Marty skipped out with the bank's money, the town's money. Mar- Marty's brother Art is now married to Mary, but his brother Harry has still drowned. And apart from that, that's all there is to it, really. There's no Potter. Bedford Falls isn't this great character in the film, and mm. so it's... Um, yeah, they've done a lot to make this into a movie. Because there was another version, wasn't it? I wasn't sure, because obviously I didn't read it, but there was another version where he was going to be a politician in the script. There was a script version where he was going to be a politician and he was going to kill himself because he'd lost an election. Right. And then he was shown what he'd what he'd achieved by going into politics and not business. Yeah, and there's, a, there's an interesting version where there's, he sees the, there's two George Baileys. He's the good George Bailey, but he sees how his life would have turned out if he'd taken different decisions. <gasps> and it ends with the two Georges fighting each other. Great idea for a film. Uh, it's been done in Quantum Leap. Do you remember the episode of Quantum Leap? I think it repeated this character, the evil leaper. No. Oh, it was great. I was, bet I've seen it. It I was when Quantum it. Leap went Twin Peaks, basically. Cool. <laughs> there was Sam Beckett leaping through time and then an evil leaper. <laughs> Miss Quantum Leap. That was so good. Uh, right then, back to It's a Wonderful Life. So, RKO Pictures purchase it, intending it as a vehicle for Cary Grant. Grant passes and goes on to make Thursday's film that we're covering The Bishop's Wife. So RKO turned to Frank Capra, the original feel-good movie director. Yeah, it was interesting. He'd come back from the war and he was being offered war films and he said, the last thing I do was what... I didn't want to make a film about the war. And it's interesting. So many directors did, but he said, I was done with it. I hated the war. Why would I want to come back and sort of celebrate it? So, and it's interesting that it was Cary Grant initially, because he doesn't strike me as boy next door no. that the world is against or he's having a tough time. Like, Cary Grant just isn't that person, no. whereas James Stewart is. So it's, I'm so glad it didn't go to Cary and he would end up doing the other film. Cary Grant is either one of the most charming, suave actors on the planet, or as we're going to discuss on Thursday, fucking creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and in, I mean, that's connect both these films is that is that these are two actors that alfred hitchcock saw and said i'm going to do creepy things with you you know and, and he turned them into very frightening presences on screen when you, just he's lightness and good here mm. so obviously yeah, frank capra was already kind of a big deal he'd got oscars for mr deeds goes to town you can't take it with you and it happened one night capra loves this story so, various writers uh, work on this script, uh, but the ones that we're going to concentrate on are the ones who get credited in some way on this final film. So, they are husband and wife, Francis Goodrich and Albert Hackett, then Joe Swirling and Capra himself, who had worked together on Ladies of Leisure. So, basically... <laughs> Goodrich and Hackett are writing a script, and unbeknownst to them, Capra is working on his own script with Joe Swirling. So Goodrich called Capra in an interview after all the dust had settled, after the movie had come out. She called him that horrid man (laughs) and recalled he couldn't wait to get writing it himself. 
Her husband, Albert Hackett, said, we told him what we were going to do, and he said, that sounds fine. We were trying to move the story along and work it out, and then somebody told us that Capra and Joe Swirling were working on it together, and that sort of took the guts out of it. We were getting near the end, and word came that Capra wanted to know how soon we'd be finished, so what my wife said... We're finished right now. We quickly wrote out the last scene and we never saw him again after that. He's a very arrogant son of a bitch. Mm. Hell of an interview. (laughs) (laughs) But the Writers Guild went in favour of Goodrich and Hackett. They got the credit. Uh, Along with Capra, Joe Swirling only got an additional scenes credit and apparently never spoke to Capra again. Tough. Mm. But I do believe Capra is the one who came up with Potter and that storyline. Which is one of the most important aspects of this, isn't it? I think um, the, the Bedford Fall characters and Potter are, are, are really what makes the drama work here. Potter is... I was going to save it. But hell, let's do it now. It's Christmas. You get to open one Christmas present before Christmas Day. Let's do it. Potter is possibly one of the greatest cinema villains of all yeah, time. He's yeah. pure one evil. of the first. There's no redemption. No redemption. I, no know, redemption. I can't believe he doesn't have a scene. And he's like, okay, you got me. Yeah. No, he's just bad. It's amazing. <laughs> it's one really of the brave. Very first re- features I ever wrote was about why Potter's one of my favourite movie characters. When I joined Hot Dog, you could write a piece every month about your favourite character and. It was. Just, he's just. It's. It's just brilliant. He's so brilliantly played, mm. and it's Lionel Barrymore, who I didn't realise to research it this time, was famous um, at the time for playing Scrooge every yeah. year on the radio at Christmas, mm. and so it makes total sense that he, that people have this built-in knowledge of him. He uh, he was going to be played at one stage. One of the people they looked at. There's a long list of people that were looked at for Potter, uh, but one of them, the name that I recognised, I was like, oh, that'd be interesting, and totally wouldn't work. Vincent Price, right. Because I think when you see Vincent Price, even when he's playing a villain, there's something inherently sympathetic about him. No, right. no, I think mm. the opposite. But fine. really, I don't know. I think <laughs> he's playing. He can be really horrible. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Okay. I guess I was thinking Doctor Fibes, and in that, he's kind of a sympathetic villain. Like he's got a purpose for why he's murdering all these people. But yeah. So, Capra says, and you kind of already touched on this, Chris, one of the most difficult roles to cast is the role of, a, in his words, good Sam. That's what he calls it. So it's a, a good person who basically doesn't realise they're a good person. And he said he could think of only one person who could play this role, and that was Jimmy Stewart. who We'd worked together on Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, and you can't take it with you. Stewart said yes without even hearing the story. That's because he loves Capra that much. <laughs> So, uh, Capra also cast another Jimmy in the movie. Uh, Another favourite Jimmy of his alongside Jimmy Stewart, and that is Jimmy the Raven. Went down a bit of a Jimmy the Raven wormhole. <laughs> Hell of a Go career. Mm, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a big deal. So he'd worked with Capra again alongside Jimmy Stewart on You Can't Take It With You. He also uh, played uh, the crow, because he could do a crow. <laughs> It's all about scale. He can play crow. He can play crow. Uh, Jimmy the Raven can play crow. He's the crow that lands on the scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz. Wow. That's Jimmy. Wowzers. That's the Jimmy the Raven. Oh, that's big. And you wouldn't think, oh, that's a raven. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Not for a second. I mean, I always think... That's how good Jimmy is. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, he just sort of really leans into what it is to be a crow. Uh, so, interestingly... Couldn't do it nowadays, of course. <laughs> no, of course not. Oh, well, it's 2022. Times have changed. Yeah. I mean... Rightly you know. so. You know, can you imagine there'd be murder? <laughs> Very good. Oh my god, that's why we scripted it or something. That's awesome. That is so static. That's why this podcast is good sometimes. 
<laughs> Look how tense Chris looks. We're not going to slag off the film. It's fine. No, that was quite funny. You just went a bit overboard. It's fine. <laughs> it's all downhill from here. That's the high point of this episode. Uh, so, listen, Jimmy belonged to Hollywood animal trainer Curly Twyford, who stole the bird from a nest in the Mojave Desert in 1934. So he trained Jimmy to do an assortment of tricks. Uh, this is leading up to my favourite uh, quote from Curly Twyford. He taught Jimmy to do a, an assortment of tricks. He could type. He right. could open letters. Yep. He could ride a tiny motorcycle. <laughs> Twyford, in fact, said that Jimmy could perform any task possible for an eight-year-old child. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> but you know what, though? If he stole Jimmy from the nest, I'm quite scared of big ravens because they are quite scary and they're very clever. I think he remembers. Like, well, yeah, I do. And I think he's biding his time and then he's going to peck someone's eyes out and be like, take me back home. Drive his tiny motorcycle into curly <laughs> shins. <laughs> She hangs out with some quite stupid eight-year-olds as well, doesn't she? <laughs> uh, so, uh, Jimmy Stewart said of uh, Jimmy the Raven, when they call Jimmy on set, we both answer. He's the smartest actor on the set and he requires fewer takes than his human counterparts. <laughs> Lot of lot of love for Jimmy. Uh, his uh, footprints uh, can still be seen at a Los Angeles pet store alongside the poor Prince of Lassie. Right. That's the end of the Jimmy the Raven section. <laughs> uh, so uh, we touched on uh, Mr. Potter, like I said. Lionel Barrymore, Chris mentioned him. Uh, he was fantastic in this. Uh, sadly, though, despite the love for this film now, it did not do well on its release. <laughs> it didn't even break even. And it was only when it fell into the public domain and it could be played royalty-free on numerous television channels in the late 70s and throughout the 80s that it became this classic and it was reappraised. And now it's this film that is rightly regarded as one of the greatest movies of all time. Uh, do you want to hear a little bit of uh, interesting stuff about RKO Pictures? And I only say this because it literally sounds like what is happening with a certain, a certain social media site right now. Go on. So this was RKO Pictures' biggest year, 1946. And after this, they started into something of a decline. And there were numerous reasons. There was the anti-communist hunt in Hollywood. There was the rise of television. Post-war audiences happened sooner and then fell away quicker than people expected. But also, in 1948... The billionaire Howard Hughes took over RKO Pictures. He bought it. Have a listen to this. <clears throat> See if it sounds anything like a certain someone owning Twitter now. Within weeks of taking over, Hughes had dismissed three-fourths of the workforce. Production was virtually shut down for six months as the conservative Hughes shelved or cancelled several of the message pictures that posited a positive idea about society. Wow. <laughs> Musk! <laughs> said like William Shatner in Star Trek 2 but there is no one shouting Musk because he's the boss he's, he's top of the food chain no one dares say his name in that fashion I just read it and I was like dismissed all the workforce <laughs> got rid of all the positive messages it was what? gone in 10 years as well wasn't it I think it was yeah mm. it was uh, but let's end like any good news report on a positive human interest story and this is the best story RKO's head of special effects, Russell Sherman, developed a new compound for snow for this movie. Before this movie existed, he used, well, he used water, soap flakes, fomite, I don't know what that is, and sugar to create chemical snow for the film. Before then, 
you know what they use? Arsenic. <laughs> I, I know this because I'm, I might know this because I went to interview someone last week. Mm-hmm. And when I walked in, they said to me before I said hello, excuse me, do you know if they used asbestos as snow yeah. back in the day to make movies? And I was like, uh, hi, Anything I'm Chris. that would kill you, definitely. That's what they used to use. I'm sorry Lead. to disappoint. Untoasted cornflakes. <laughs> Wow. Because mm, okay. they were black and white, so that's, that's, so no that's what they used for snow. I told this woman that they used painted cornflakes after asbestos, because <laughs> I thought that's what happened here. Mm. But the problem was, they were so loud when people stepped on them, you had to do the sound afterwards. So, right. brand new snow for this movie. All right, then, let's take a short break, and then we're into It's a Wonderful Life. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ah, here we go. Heck of a star, isn't it? Oh, it throws you in. We hear some heart-wrenching prayers for George. <laughs> Help my son, George. Help, Mr. Bailey. Please, God, something's the matter with Daddy. Mm. <laughs> that's pretty... Yeah, that's, that's a bit savage, yeah. <laughs> wow! Ouch! I'm, I'm already crying. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, it makes... Wrong foots you, I think. Because when you meet him, he's kind of... Well, apart from what the angels are saying, he's basically all right. But yeah. please, God, help. There's something wrong with Daddy. <laughs> and it also leans into like, is it an abuse? <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't like it. Oh, I loved it. Because I figured it's a wonderful life. 
isn't going to have a subplot about yeah, yeah, abuse. Yeah. yeah, you're in safe hands, obviously. <laughs> yes. Uh, and if that wasn't enough, then we meet God. <laughs> Hell of a swing. Uh, we're inside the three minute mark and we've met God. <laughs> Is that God? Uh, is that God? I'm pretty certain. I didn't. I, I thought, thought he was Gabriel. Is that what I thought? I get yes. the impression it's God because there's Joseph there, who yeah. I'm thinking is the Joseph because what? it's a Jesus Christmas. Is dad. Yeah. Nah, he's just a human being. He doesn't get a special place. He gets a special place. He, he's the father, the earthly father, let's yeah, say. Yeah. Okay. Of you know. I mean, he's an easygoing guy, uh, but I'm, Clearly. I'm, I'm thinking it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> Joseph is synonymous with Christmas. That's the Joseph. Okay, fine. Uh, so God and Joseph get Clarence, uh, an angel second class, who will earn his wings if he helps George. So just to be absolutely clear, this isn't a goodwill. No, I know. This isn't a goodwill <laughs> mission for Clarence. This is a business transaction. It's, an, it's sort of a workplace assessment. He's He's got a job. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I am going to be paid in wings yeah. to fix this situation. I don't know if I'd want my life in the hands of a man who they state has the IQ of a rabbit. <laughs> uh, he's got the faith of a child. Awesome. The IQ of the rabbit is the thing I'm concerned <laughs> that about. That is an issue. Yeah. Uh, Clarence is just thrilled because he's got a paid gig, uh, which doesn't sound like he's had for a while. And he gets to watch a movie now because essentially <laughs> they show him the movie. It's a wonderful life for the next hour and a half. Um, there is... A lot of voiceover at the start. So, Victoria, you, oh, are, yeah. <laughs> you, are, you are not a fan of too much voiceover. How are you feeling about... Does this get a pass? Well, it's not a voiceover, is it? It's characters talking, but they're just blinks of light. But that's OK. It's, like, it's really cleverly done, to be honest. When you've got no money... Yeah, yeah. Uh, it completely brings to life that these are angels. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, do you know what? I didn't even... That's how um, biased I am. When I like something, it's fine. No, Vicky's right. It's not voiceover, though. You're watching characters interact and talk to each other. You do initially. You just can't but, see their mouths. But then once, once we get to the, 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 the 1919, sure. then it turns into narration. That's, That's true. Yeah. Is, he, is he sick? No worse. He's discouraged. <laughs> no, if he's sick, sick that worse. could be worse. Yeah, that is worse. <laughs> Depends what the illness is. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> Please, God, something's the matter with Daddy. He's sick. <laughs> In the head. <laughs> He's got a stick. Come quick. <laughs> so, we've got this scene where George saves his little brother Harry from drowning. Uh, this was different in an early draft of this script. This was going to be an introduction to Potter. Uh, they were going to be playing ice hockey on a frozen lake. They were going to smash over a no trespassing sign because the lake was on Potter's land. Potter becomes irate and releases attack dogs, causing the boys to flee. And then Harry falls through the ice. <gasps> it's, a, it's a ballsy script here, isn't it? Because they literally say in voiceover, something happens here that you'll have to remember for later. They say it to Clarence, <laughs> but they're telling us. That's true. You've yeah. got to remember the year. <laughs> so we're setting up a lot of characters here. Uh, we get Mary and Violet in the pharmacy run by Mr. Gower. Uh, George works in. So Violet whispers to George, I'll love you till the day I die. No, Mary, Mary whispers does. that to George. Oh, is it Mary? Yeah, yeah. his future wife. Oh, okay, his that future makes wife. Sense. Great. Put no, Ma- Mary's quite sassy, though. Her saying to Violet, you like every boy. And then Violet's <laughs> comeback is awesome. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Yeah, so I really like it. I feel like this film never judges Violet, which no, is, would have been an easy thing to do, mm-hmm. especially in this period. As, the town floozy yeah. uh, would have been completely judged. And she's certainly she's judged by characters in the film, but not by the film or the hero. And she doesn't. Ha- they could have really gone for it and really wrecked her life because she wants to leave. And she, I presume she's going off to do something floozy-ish. 
Um, but they don't. She just comes back and she's fine. I figured she'd got into a bit of trouble. That's why she was going to New Pregnant. York. I don't know. Um, I don't know. That's what that means in the olden days, maybe getting into a bit of trouble. Having an affair. I thought maybe she had to make a run for it from town. as an angry <laughs> husband or something. Right. Angry wife. I don't know. I like Violet a lot, though. Uh, George says he's going to have three or four wives. Odd thing for a kid to say. <laughs> He says a harem. Yeah. He does say three harem, or four wives he? and a harem. Yeah, good. We're not, judging, like, we're not judging. We're not judging anyone. But is here. that why you want to go travelling? That's a shame. <laughs> it's more interesting than building airfields. <laughs> Jesus, that's just tarmac. That is just laying a big I, strip of tarmac. Honestly, of all the things, like it's like <laughs> yeah. it's the most boring thing. Yeah. Strip of tarmac, tower, Bosch. You've done, done it. That's another one. Yep. Knock, you can knock them out. No skill. <laughs> <laughs> says, says not a structural engineer. Uh, but mainly here we get Mr Gower putting poison in a box because he's drunk after finding out his son is dead from influenza. So George asks his dad for help, but he's dealing with boo-hiss, <laughs> Mr Potter. I mean, this is amazing, though. That Gower scene, in the space of one minute, they make you feel sorry for a man who's hitting a child mm-hmm. to, the, to the point that he's drawing blood. Yeah. And yet you're, you're on his side. It's like, this is how are they doing this? Yeah. It's a magic trick. You're on Mr. Gower's side. You feel, you feel sorry for him. You yeah. feel very sorry for him. I don't know. The bit where the kid is going, please don't hit my sore ear oh. more than once. I'm like, you got to stop after that once. because he says He does, but with, but with a split second, he's crying. Yeah, and it's and like, him a big cuddle, you're, you're yeah. crying for him as well. Do you, uh, you want to hear a fascinating, if slightly disturbing story uh, said in 1996 by Bobby Anderson, the kid who plays the young George Bailey? Uh, he talks about shooting that scene with H.B. Warner, who plays Mr. Gower. He actually bloodied my ear, Anderson no. told the Times. My ear was beat up and my face was red and I was in tears. I didn't know what we were building to... He was perfect. He reached the crescendo, and at the end, when it was all over, he was very lovable. He grabbed me and hugged me, and he meant it. Wow! I don't think that's true. It's his words. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't. I think it's very hard. Are you calling the producer of Passenger Fifty Seven a <laughs> fucking liar? I think there's a lot of stories around this film that I don't believe <laughs> that people repeat in documentaries as if they're true, and you're like, nah, that probably You've got didn't to happen. Really bash someone to make their ear bleed, yes. haven't you? You really do. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, it's, I don't know. It's actually hospitalisation. <laughs> you've, you've perforated their eardrum. Yeah. You can do it in boxing, <laughs> but like, this is old man Gower. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, look. This is Bobby Anderson, who went on to produce Passenger 57, swears it's true. So let's flash forward to adult George. Uh, he doesn't want to follow in his dad's footsteps. He wants to do something big and important, like build airfields. Um, he goes to his brother's graduation and he meets Mary, who grew up to be quite a looker. <laughs> didn't she? She did, yeah. Mary, woof. Hot. Uh, Donna Reed, who'd go on to win Best Supporting Actress in From Here to Eternity, which I've never seen, no. but I know there's a bit in the sea. <laughs> oh, it's good. Is it? Yeah. All we right. talked about it on the Godfather episode. That's the famous, the horse's head story supposedly to do with that film. Ah. Yeah. Oh, yes. I do remember. Mm. Why not check out our Godfather episodes? It's great. So... Uh, I'm a big fan of the Charleston in any movie. Are you? I oh, of course, because of your tap dancing. I was going to learn it for the wedding. Yeah. You've got to pick it back up. I would love to know how to do the Charleston. It seems sort of very free and easy. Yeah. Like you can sort of fuck around <laughs> and have a good time. I don't know if Jimmy Stewart, what he's doing, if George doing the knee thing is actually officially the Charleston. Yeah, yeah but also that's him being a bit goofy as well, yeah. isn't it? Which is his personality. Yeah. 
Oh, I'd have loved to have been around in that era. Yeah, me too. Listening to the Charleston, doing some crazy dancing. It was it's symbolic of the times, isn't it? Because it was a period of after the First World War and then dance... Well, you know this from your tap expertise. Dance styles changed to signify, you know, the greater freedom for women and uh, looser clothing is a thing as well because clothing changed so massively. Waistlines were looser, hemlines dropped a little bit. You could move, whereas in Victorian times it's very difficult to do a Charleston because you were all squashed in. Thank God. <laughs> Keep it all in. <laughs> That's why I wear my skinny jeans. Keep it all in. Tuck the saggy flesh into my socks and get on with life. <laughs> um, I am going to a rave soon while we're talking about clubbing. Are um, you? Going to dances. Is I, it outside? It's, a, it's Printworks in East London. Ever heard of it? Uh, no. Yes. Apparently it's a big deal and it's shutting. And my little brother, who goes to raves because younger, um, <laughs> said, why don't you come? And I was like, well, I've got nothing else to do, It'll so be why not? fucking brilliant. Mm. It will be brilliant. Is it? I'm excited for you. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not entirely convinced. I don't know. Everyone will be, I bet they'll be younger than James, no shit, but they'll be younger than you too. So. <laughs> and that's what I'm worried about. Yeah, I'll it's just, fine. You know. It's a bedtime yet. <laughs> right. Oh, do you want to know that swimming pool with a retractable floor? The uh-huh. retractable floor? It's still, it's still there. Beverly Hills High School in California. It's still got the retractable floor as well. So we get this nice moment with Mary and George. There's a spark. They throw rocks at the old Granville house and make wishes. Mm. Apparently George's wishing isn't as good as Mary's. No, she's a witch. <laughs> <laughs> she, she keeps him there and makes him fall in love with her. She is a very powerful witch. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's sweet. It, what are the rules, though? Her wish comes true. His doesn't. Is it the actual thing? Because she goes, you said it out loud, dickhead. That's why it didn't <laughs> come so. true. Possibly. Um, so... Uh, there's this bit where I want to say I love it and I think I do and it predates LSD so I can't say George sounds like he's taken a massive hit of acid Mm. but what is it you want Mary what do you want you want the moon just say the word I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down I'll give you the moon Mary fine yeah then you could swallow it (laughs) and moon beams will come out of your fingers and toes stop stop with stop with lasso the moon (laughs) I'll give you the moon is where you end that yeah it threw me also (laughs) it's a a fucking terrifying image of a woman with light coming out of her fingertips moonlight it's It's basically the ending of Raiders of the Lost Ark And yeah, it's memorable. Yeah. yeah. It's just terrifying. It's like, and then we'll live in a tapioca fortress in Pixieland. <laughs> wow. How much acid have you taken, George? Then he starts banging on about airfields again. <laughs> Fucking hell. Read the room. But then it's that unusual thing, isn't it, when we think about script writing, that they give George a very specific goal and then he definitely does not achieve his goal. <laughs> yeah. It's the opposite of what is supposed to happen in a True. story like this. Uh, then he toes the line of what's acceptable by refusing to give a naked woman in a bush their robe. Um, mm. eh, it's 2022 now, George. You can't do that shit anymore. <laughs> no, you really can't. Uh, anyway, sexy time is over because Dad's had a stroke. Um... And we get this wonderful confrontation now between Potter and George. So Potter says, if you lend the working class money, you get a discontented, lazy rabble instead of a thrifty working class. Cute, this impassioned speech from George. And then the board gives him the job of running the company and he doesn't want to take it. And if he doesn't take it, it'll close. So George's plans to build airfields are scuppered again. 
He wants to build bridges as well. Don't he does. Yeah. yeah. And so I think he says skyscrapers. He does. Yeah. He does. Yeah. Do you like this speech? Yeah, of course I do. It's great, isn't it? It's very good. And he's right. And people like Potter did exist and still do exist. Mm-hmm. And it's, so it's all very relatable still. Yeah, it feels, it feels very topical. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's also watching it this time, I really saw how much he continually pokes the bear that is Potter. So here he calls him warped, frustrated old man. But he calls him worse things later. And watching it, he's thinking, man, this, maybe you just shouldn't be horrible to people. Because you, you don't know how sweet. this is going to come back yeah. on and bite you on the ass. Because Potter, do, Potter does do some of these things out of anger over the things that George has called him. Yeah, yeah, but also he's a terrible slum landlord. Basically, he's awful. Mm. The speech is uh, watching it this time. I was thinking about the politics as well. And, and is this sort of a communist story that that Potter is the capitalist? And it, because the ending, it's all about community. Yeah, that's where the common communist comes I mean, from. It's the community banding together to save him. It's a very brave move given the times that and, it was and, being and, written in. And I believe they were investigated by the FBI. Yeah, there was. Some question marks over what the message of this film would be yeah i mean yeah i can see that and then maybe sort of old world versus new world like especially after the war and uh potter is like the last vestige of um money being concentrated in the hands of a few and then when people were coming back from the war and the establishment of a middle class and all the rest of it and um a, uh, what am i trying to say um a, the state looking after people a bit more because they had to mm. then everything gets a bit more sort of smushed doesn't it and those lines are not as clear as they were before and people like Potter might have felt under threat while yeah. they did by something like it that clearly does well we flash forward four years and George is ready to give Harry the company so George can travel Harry who went to college with money George gave him but Harry's married and he got a job in New York Watching it this time, because we've done it so recently, it's really reminding me here of um, Truman Show, where it's like Kristoff is controlling uh, the situation so that George cannot leave. Every time George is about to leave, something gets put in front of him. <laughs> and good. it feels just like Truman Burbank good. With, yeah. the, with the water. In Bedford Falls is very... Whatever yeah. it's called. I can't remember what it's called in the Truman Show. Yeah. Uh, but forlorn George wanders the streets. <laughs> I like the end of the potential romantic relationship with Violet here. It's a, it's a nice way of ending it because Violet sees him on the street and she approaches him and she's like, and he's like, do you want to make a night of it? And she's like, fuck, do I? And he's like, great, let's go take our shoes off and walk on wet grass. And she's like, no, uh, I thought you I meant... Thought we'll go for a drink. Let's get fucked up and fuck. Um, that's pretty much what I thought was going to happen here. And it's yeah. like, she, you realise at that point that she realises, I think, at that point, it's the end of that, that story. Yeah, they can be friends now. Yeah, they can they're be friends. Not the, they're not in the same place. No. It's nice. So George ends up at Mary's, and she really must like him a lot because he's a massive dick yeah, in this to her, scene. Yeah, he is. Awful. He calls her drawing of him lassoing the moon a fucking joke. Yeah, it's really such a shame for me. I totally get it, and it all works. But she's like, oh, he's here, and she's obviously been waiting for like four years because mm-hmm. she's probably not been up to much at college waiting for this man. And then she puts the record on. She thinks he's going to be like, oh my god, our song, yeah, and he's just bit, like, oh. it's a bit much, Mary. Oh, <laughs> the, the, the Song and the stitching. It's like, oh, you're scaring me a little bit now, Mary. I haven't seen I'm you for years. <laughs> yeah, but when she doesn't get away, she smashes that record. Good, she's angry. Ooh, yeah. Um, I do like the bit. Because, I mean, I don't know. You know I don't watch that many old films. This is the oldest film we've ever done on the show. Yeah. And it did feel like, was that a bit risque, the bit where she shouts up to her mum, he's making violent love, love to yeah, me. Yeah. I think it's very risque. And I think this scene is very lusty when they're holding the same uh, phone. 
and they're, and they're getting closer and closer. I mean, it's not a sex scene, but it feels like there's more sexual tension there than sure. in a lot of actual sex scenes. Yeah. The bit where... So, I mean, I tried to work out exactly what's going on because he's shouting at her. Mm. What does he say? He shouts at her that he never he never wants to get married and he'll mm. never stay in this town. He wants to get out of this town. He'll never get married. And then he's kissing her almost as he's shouting this at her. Mm. Yeah. So is this him, basically? It's, it's the last part of him wanting to leave, giving up the fight because he realises he's in love with this woman. Yes. Yeah. So good. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Really good. So it's so well done. But again, what is this time? I was starting to think, what does Sam think on the other end of that phone? <laughs> he can't see what's happening. He can just hear this abuse that this woman's getting. Hello? And then, well, no, that's what happened. And the phone gets dropped. And Sam's like, hey, is everything okay? I was offering you a job. And that's my girlfriend. <laughs> Mary? Mary, are you still there? Mary? You, you've got this intensely romantic scene, though, and they manage to then button it with the mum upstairs being really pissed off. And so you get, you get a joke at the end of it. It's, it's so well written. More Truman Show now. Just as they're off on their honeymoon, the depression hits. I know. This guy cannot catch a break. <laughs> so they have to use their honeymoon money uh, to keep buildings and loans alive. And, but what I like here, so Frank Capra gets called out for Capricorn, is what they call it. His films are just too sentimental and corny. But I think it's the opposite in a lot of the scenes. Like here, George turns around to everyone and says, we've got to stick together. We've got to have faith in each other and we'll get through it. And if it was Capricorn, everyone would be like, oh yeah, we're yeah, going to go together. They're, they're but they're like, no, him. we want our bloody money, which yeah. is the truth. That's how this would go down. That's why it's so good, because he's like, he doesn't even think, well, you're my Pete, you owe me, you owe me everything, actually, so I'm asking you this favour. He's just like, come on, guys, we've got to do it. And they're like, absolutely no. not. Like, his people are going to turn on him. Mm. And you think, well, yeah, that is really realistic. Like, they've got no money and they need to survive. I'm like, happy to be mouth. reasonable, but I need this week's money. Yeah, it's brilliant. But... They then go, we'll just take the bare minimum of what we need. Because and it's, it's the group same thing, isn't it? Because Until next week. That's the thing. And then we'll revisit it yeah. next week. And the first so person asks for, he wants his he $242. Wants it, yeah. And then the next person is like, okay, actually, I can survive on 20 And then you get the good button. It's like, well, I'll take seventeen fifty. And mm. people work as a, a collective. Oh, maybe it's communist. We work as a collective unit. That so. woman, future Grandma Walton. Really? For the $17.50. <sighs> so... Because they can't go on their honeymoon, they end up honeymooning in the old Granville house. <laughs> but, but, his friends have put up posters of tropical locations. They're singing songs. And Mary is roasting two whole chickens <laughs> on the log fire. Yes to the chickens, because why not? <laughs> Delicious. I was a bit worried about the bed, because by the... I don't know much about what Mary and um, George have been getting up to. I don't know if this is, like, the first time for them. Scabies. <laughs> It's just, it's a bed in a rundown house, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's absolutely true. A friend of mine saw a sofa on the street once and thought it looked like a great sofa, and took it back to yeah. his flat, and then had scabies because it was. Oh infected. my god, yeah. that's that's upsetting. Yeah. It's just the chickens, yes. The dinner, yes. And is the marital bed? No, that's too far. I mean, yes, yes, but also what a weird wish. So when Mary threw that rock and made that wish about the Granville house, she also, in her wish, went. And I'd like to roast two chickens <laughs> on a log Make fire. Make squat sex yeah. then. Is Any, that possible? <laughs> <laughs> Any veg? No, but there's two chickens. <laughs> oh, that's the times though, isn't it? Like they're all about protein. So let's flash forward again. George has built Bailey Park, creating affordable housing and taking money from slum landlord Potter. So Potter tries to get George for work, to work for him and he appeals to George's ambition 
Mm. He knows he hates his job. He offers him a lot of money. And George seems like he's going to take it. But then, no! No, he's not! <laughs> because Because Potter's got a sweaty hand. Is That's that what, what it happens. is? He shakes his yeah. hand. He's like, what was I thinking? I, I listened to an interview with Carolyn Grimes, who's still with us, the, the actress that plays Zuzu. And she said that if you notice there as well, there is a skull with a chain attached to it on Potter's desk facing George. That's what's being offered to him is that your your life is mine, your skull is mine, your future is mine. And so that's why he doesn't take it. It's a nice little touch. It's a nice little touch. George turns around and calls him a scurvy little spider. Brilliant. <laughs> a scurvy little spider spinning his webs. Wow. Rude. Just yeah, be, offered, care, be careful, just George. offered you $25,000 a year. A lot man, of money. This man is dangerous. A lot of money. What would that be? I know you love inflation chat. What would that be now? <laughs> In today's money, that's £55 billion. Pounds. Wow. Yep. <laughs> So, flashing forward again uh, now. Oh, sorry, we found out Mary's preggers uh, when she tells George she married him because she wants her baby to look like him. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> but then he said this, I'd never heard this turn of phrase. I just I find it so upsetting and I don't know why, so maybe you can help me. He says, are you uh, on the nest? As a, as a euphemism for pregnant. And I found it so disturbing. And I don't know why, I don't know what it's triggered in me. But, but when you say, you know, you're up the duff, I don't, I'm not mad about that, but like, whatever. What do people say? Preggers. I'll just, I'll just tell you what it conjured up in my mind. Yeah. It, it, it literally a conjures up a, a giant, a giant, a nest and a woman squatting naked in what? the middle. Naked? Yeah! Like, because birds don't wear clothes. So... <laughs> That's why, that's why it's repulsive. For nine me. months, you can't move. Just it's just in there. on the nest. When you're in the family way or you've got a bun in the oven, I can call it with that. But are you on the nest so you mm. can't move for nine months? I found yeah. that really upsetting. Yeah, I agree. I don't like it. Never say it again. <laughs> All right, let's flash forward now. We're through the war. Harry, George's little brother, is a hero. He saves a transport full of men, gets the Congressional Medal from the Prez. George now has lots of kids with Mary. And he seems to have settled into life in Bedford Falls. He finds some level of happiness, but now we get this massive anxiety-inducing scene (laughs) where Uncle Billy loses $8,000 in Potter's newspaper and evil Potter snaffles it away, knowing it'll ruin George. He's so evil. Pure evil. That bit where he rolls himself over to the door and peeks out through the crack and sees Billy losing his shit. And then... Poor George, he loses his shit with Billy. Oh, I love the it's, fact that it, Uncle Billy lives, and there's no explanation, with shit tons of animals. <laughs> He's not just got Jimmy the Raven. I think that's bad for your bank. I don't want to go in a bank that's filled with animals. It'll stink as shit. Once you've seen the inside of Uncle Billy's house, you don't go, I'll trust him with $8,000. He's got a squirrel on his what, arm. That's what the inside of his head looks like. Um, but it's very well choreographed, that scene with George at home with the family with mm. just uh, considering they've got there's, there's a bunch of kids that he's interacting with and it feels like it's all one take it builds and builds so cleverly like and he's just on the edge of going over the top and then obviously he finally properly loses it with the teacher yeah. thank god so it's not one of the kids he goes apeshit at but. Uh, I don't know though I, the, the, when he screams at Mary why do we have all these kids that's big <laughs> it's big it's <laughs> half your fault can you imagine if Mark said that to you <laughs> I'm only asking you because you're the only one with kids in this room. How does that make you feel? I understand that there's a lot of kids running around. I, I, I like that line because it is the sort of thing you think, like, why have we got so many children? Why have you? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> There's loads of reasons and one reason. <laughs> uh, and I hadn't noticed until this time that it's his own sort of model buildings that he smashes yeah, up. So it's it was, a bridge that it, he yeah, smashes up. It was his dream that he's he's smashing up just one last yeah. time. They'd realised by this point, lose the airfield. <laughs> just put a fucking bridge That's there. That's so boring. <laughs> How do you smash up a long strip of tarmac? <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, gives Mrs. Welch a piece of his mind. Uh, then he sort of tries to apologise to his tearful family. No dice. They're like, I, don't want, I do not want to play that song again. I'm terrified, Dad. Uh, then he leaves to ask Potter for a loan, and Potter just sticks the knife in oh, because brutal. he's pure evil. So George decides to get hammered. Uh, well, it, it, the key the key line is he tells George you're worth more dead than alive. Yes, so excellent. Evil. So evil. And George carries round insurance papers in his you pocket. You had to in those days though, because there was no uh, internet. Ah, yeah. Did you know that? I did not know there was yeah, no internet. Yeah, back it was then. invented in 1948, I believe. It. Okay. 1948. All right, great. Yeah. So he tries a prayer and instead of an answer. He gets a punch from Mister Welch. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. What are the chances? And he says, "That's what you get for praying." <laughs> And so we come to the moment. George is thinking of jumping from the bridge to cash in his life insurance and save his company and his family. Feels like a big step. I have to say, because he said earlier, I tried once to contact Sam in Mm. Europe, couldn't get hold of him. Try again. Which is why I actually think he's not thinking of doing that, because his, his brother's about to get the medal as well. And I think he must and he loves his brother. So we and that's that night, isn't it? Yeah. So if he does that that night, it kind of pulls focus from um, Harry's big so evening. You, you, I think he's just think, thinking of it, but not like, I'm going to stand on this bridge and I'm going to do it, but I am on a bridge and I'm thinking about it, and that's as far as it goes. So the biggest thing about this movie, the thing that people always say, the premise of this movie, a yeah. man who's about to kill himself is visited by an angel yeah. you think isn't really the case and he's just having a look at a river. I think, no, I don't think. I just think there are there are several steps in that thought process, and he's at one or say there's five. Five ends with you stepping off. He's at two, maybe. Okay. No. Sure. Because also the angels say it as well, don't they? They say he's thinking about right giving up God's greatest gift, but he's not stepped, has he? He hasn't taken that step. There's a world of difference. You don't feel he's far enough along. No, I don't. For the angel to visit, you think Clarence has come too early. Um, no. I think he's coming exactly the right time. All right. All right. Okay. Uh, well, Clarence turns up. Uh, remember, not because he wants to help George, because he wants his wings. Uh, he's there for a purpose, and he fulfills George's wish that he'd never been born. And now we are into full Back to the Future Two mode. <laughs> this is incredible. I, 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 one of my favourite moments in Back to the Future Two is where Marty McFly travels back and Biff has taken over Hill Valley and it's grim and it's nasty and it's evil. And it's just like that. Pottersville is here and it is evil slash fucking fantastic. I I feel like the one issue as well, watching it with modern eyes, is it feels like Bedford Falls is very white and then Pottersville becomes more multiracial and they're listening to jazz music, which to our eyes looks a lot better and a lot more fun. But in that time, are they saying, yeah, this is bad, that we're all mixing together in the same bar? It's gone bad. Yeah, that is bad. Uh, Sweet Clarence doesn't fit in. He asks for a flaming rum punch or a mulled wine. (laughs) Don't skimp on the cinnamon. (laughs) 
It's at Nick's Bar. Uh, we find out Mr. Gower is now a panhandler and a laughing stock because George wasn't there to stop him poisoning. He went to kid. prison for 20 years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Violet is being arrested outside a gentleman's club. It feels like Violet in Bedford Falls, really. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't feel like a big change for Violet. Uh, but poor Mary. Mary's an old maid. <laughs> God, that's the big one. That's that's, so... It's like Clarence sort of lets George absorb everything. He goes, yeah. I don't know if you're I can't ready show you to it. I can't. Mary. You're it's, not ready to see what you're about to see. the worst of everything yeah. you've seen. Yeah, when it comes after Bert and Ernie don't know him, his mum doesn't know him, Billy's in the insane asylum. Yeah. But they, they build up to the they fact really... that Mary works in a library now. <laughs> She's an old maid. That's she's it. An old maid. She looks absolutely fine. I thought she it was going to be exactly look. the same. So she's, <laughs> she's wearing glasses yeah. and she seems a bit meeker, maybe. But they they build it so much. You're like, she's going to be. I can't even imagine. She's either like living in a slum. She's like this desiccated, bitter, horrible lady. She's just got a nice job in the library. And also, uh, George har- harasses her. He's a, he's a little bit handsy with her, grabbing her, <laughs> spinning her yeah. around. He then punches a police officer and and, and gets shot at probably would happen in Bedford Falls. <laughs> that doesn't feel specific to Pottersville. It's like, if you punch a police officer and run off, they may shoot at you. Yeah. They shouldn't. I mean, they should I don't think a punch gets you shot, does we it? We don't know. It gets your hand broken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Call back to a week ago. Uh, right then, uh, so... We get uh, this Christmas uh, miracle, though. So, sorry, I, I, I do love this one cut uh, where the car is pulling up, the police car's pulling up, and you think it's the police chasing him mm. because he's just been shot at, he's punched them, and then, obviously, he's back in Bedford Falls. It's yeah. Bert. And it's Bert, Bert knows him. Bert. Oh, yeah. And it's a myth that Bert and Ernie are named after this Bert and Ernie. Mm, oh, I'm not okay. buying it. I think that's true. <laughs> of all the things that you think are not true... What? <laughs> it's getting whiplash, honestly. Yeah, I can't believe those guys didn't make a connection. Okay. Just it's subliminally, even. Yeah, fine. All right. I mean, I'm not, it's not a hill I'm going to die on, Chris, so <laughs> fine. Uh, so we get this Christmas miracle. Uncle Billy and Mary. So he's back in Bedford Falls. Uncle Billy and Mary have gone round town, and everyone has chipped in to get George the money he needs mm. because they love him, because he's a great guy, and because he helped them in the past. Yep. He loves his family because that's what really matters and also money. Money really matters <laughs> in this story. Yeah, because if it wasn't enough that the townsfolk have given him the money, Sam Wainwright's been in touch because yeah. you should have tried again, George, yeah. before walking to the bridge and maybe not actually killing yourself and looking at a river for a bit. But yeah, he's been in touch. He's like, I'll just give you a loan for 25, 15. For loads 15, of money, yeah. Everything you need yeah, and more. Three 20, times yeah. more than Sam Wainwright is 25 grand. If, if, but that's know. after we've seen Mr. Gower's done it, Violet's shown up with money. Mm-hmm. Even their poor maid. Yeah. Don't yeah. take that money. Take exactly. That money Especially enough. when it's t- really someone up- has just shouted, Sam Wainwright's giving you 15000 <laughs> yeah. as a loan. It's like, can I have my $20 what back? What made me stressed is that all the town, when he was giving them their money, he's like, well, look, we're not going to write it down because I know you're good for it. And that's good because he's the lender. So that's him doing a good thing. When they're chucking the money in, I, I would be like, I do need a record, though, of what I've given you because I do need this money. So it is just the loan, isn't it? Uncle Billy, Uncle Billy, yeah. though, is making a note. Oh, thank God. Okay, fine. I wasn't sure. It stressed me out. He's sorting it out. Because at this stage, you definitely trust Uncle Billy with money. (laughs) Even the bank inspector (laughs) gives him money. He's got a squirrel in his mouth. Is it the FBI? He's like, gets the warrant. He's like, no more warrant. I love that bit. (laughs) That bank inspector annoys me. He shows up and says, I've got to be out of here. It's Christmas. You're going to see my family. Well, don't come on Christmas Eve in the evening then. (laughs) You're the one that I've chosen to come here at this time. (laughs) And you're still here singing old old Lang Syne and and having a punch. Nice touch with Bert, though. 
appears with an accordion on him. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't see that coming. Yeah, uh, Harry then turns up, Harry's little brother turns up and he calls, honestly, this is... I'm going to be honest right now. This is where mm. it, 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 it hits me. Yeah. I've, I've been all right until now. I'm like, this is a great, great movie. But this is where it all, it just, I'm, I'm broken. Harry calls him the richest man in town. He reads the inscription from Clarence and Mark Twain. Remember, no, oh my God, I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm, okay? glad, I'm glad you have to say it, not me, because I couldn't say it. <laughs> you want me to do it? <laughs> Remember, no man is a failure who has friends. And a bell rings and we know Clarence has got his wings because George has finally realised how good his life has been and how good he's done and how happy he really is. Beautiful. See, George, you really had a wonderful life. Yeah. Absolutely Um, amazing. Poor Mrs. Welch doesn't get a fucking apology, though, does she? Where's she in all of this? I'm sorry, Mrs. Welch. One line would have really cleared that bit up. She cried for an hour, according to Mr. Welch. She gets a shout here, though, because I'm guessing she's the teacher that told Zuzu about the bells. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. nice. That was before she spent an hour crying <laughs> after George had a fucking go at her on the phone. And they sing old Lang Syne. It's a bit early for that, isn't it? I think that is an old tradition. Yeah, was it, it an old Christmas song? I think so. Maybe, yeah. I think I meant to look that up, but um, naughty. And that's the end of It's a Wonderful Life. Shall we do the bits? Uh, the only thing I will say is something you touched upon. Frank Capra, I mm. saw an interview with him where he said uh, the most mail he received on any film was this film, and the most letters he received on any subject was why didn't to get punished yeah it's better that he doesn't oh it is it is but yeah. it's it's not how things are supposed to go especially as i think this was during that time the the the, the pre-code era where you had to uh, you had to be punished for crimes in films yeah no one was allowed to get away with it morally like they would not allow you to release a film and so somehow this one slipped through the net i think that's great um what was the name of the actress who played zuzu uh, Carolyn Grimes. Carolyn Grimes. So there was a sequel for a yeah, while. Yeah, was... is that dead? I hope that's dead. Yeah, it, it's gone away. I mean, this is only going back about 10 years or so. It More was... recent than that. I've 2015, heard sorry. Yeah. 2015, there was talk of a sequel uh, which was going to follow Zuzu being visited by uh, an angel yeah. and it was going to star Carolyn Grimes. Mm. And uh, and they were talking about it and all these producers were talking about it and then Paramount went, we still own the rights and you <laughs> have no claim to the rights so you better not make a sequel. Z- back Zuzu, <laughs> get back in your box. <laughs> <laughs> so that went away, yeah. <clears throat> All right then, best scene, Chris. Um, every scene in this film, I adore. You can't. And I changed my, scene. I changed my mind a bunch of times. I'm going to pick. Um, the scene at the end where George is running through town wishing the people and the buildings a Merry Christmas because it sort of sums up this film. But also he says it to Mr. Potter, who's the last time we see Potter is him saying, Happy New Year to you in jail. Which is <laughs> <laughs> such a great line for him to go out on. <laughs> That's the final moment. That feels That's so brilliant. That feels like a, a line from like John McClane in Die Hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Happy New Year to you in jail. <laughs> it's great. But yeah, which ones have you picked? I'm intrigued. Best scene, V. Uh, my brother is the richest man in town. Just that mm. moment is a lot. Remember, no man is a failure who has friends. No person, but carry on. I know, but you've got to quote the film directly. Yeah, I know, but it should be no person. But it's not. <laughs> but it's not. It's better this way. I feel like it is, yeah. yeah. It? Oh, okay, it doesn't involve me then. That's <laughs> do what yeah. I like. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, that whole end sequence, everything that happens uh, from when Harry enters to the very end, 
perfect. I was going to pick the form thing because the form thing is just like it's like what it's it transcends filmmaking. It's unreal mm. how good that is because you can see on on the page. There's nothing like I'm obsessed with writing, but obviously actors do a brilliant job on the page. How are you describing? They are they grow closer. <laughs> he, he touches her hair, and it's like that's not much on a page, but when you see it like that, it's like it, it's magic. It's he's an unbelievable. He's an unbelievable actor. This yes. performance is incredible. Yeah, considering the things he does, and yet you still love him. Yeah. Oh well, then let's move on to most valuable whatever in this film. V. James Stewart. He's just so very good. That's it. Yeah. Like, there isn't much else I can say, is there? Chris? Uh, I'm going for Lionel Barrymore as Potter. Um, He's evil personified. He does a lot with a little here. And as you kind of said, he feels absolutely real. I would believe him in this day and age, perhaps running for president. (laughs) Well, I'm uh, going to side with uh, Victoria and it's, um, it's Jimmy. The Raven. Um, I, um, uh, no, it's it's Jimmy Stewart. I totally understand what Capra meant uh, I, about there being very few actors who can do that because he's just, you know, this is a guy at the top of his game and, like, to play someone who you just completely believe doesn't realise how good they are. Yeah. Fantastic. All right, then, what would you change, Chris? Um, so uh, I don't buy Mary becoming the sad spinster. I don't think it works. It, this It's sort of like without him... She's nothing, doesn't fit this character that they establish. Yeah. I think Mary is quite ballsy early on when she's a little child. So I, I think I'd have her marrying the wrong guy rather than being a spinster. Maybe the kid who opens the pool earlier in the film. Someone who treats her badly, someone who maybe just in one moment we see them shouting at her. And it's that treatment that makes her timid, not books <laughs> and watching a library. Um, and that would be all, all librarians are timid. It's a fact. That would, be, that would be so heartbreaking to see. And I think it would fit thematically in terms of, uh, as I say, without, it's not without him, she's nothing, but it underlines how much George and Mary need each other. He needs her as much as she needs him. They're two halves of the same coin. And so I would have, that, have it that way. Isn't it that though? Isn't it, isn't it the idea that true love there is only one person meant for her in the world and when he ceases to exist she never finds love again because it was only ever meant to be him i just find the the librarian spinster a bit ridiculous yeah. and and so i think if it, if she just got with the wrong man i think it would tell it would be the same message all librarians are spinsters <laughs> uh v what would you change i don't think he should call his housing estate bailey park it's, this is tiny this is the only thing i can think of because potterville is like oh you egotistical selfish horrible man you name the town after yourself that's, <laughs> that's what you did with your money so don't call it bailey park call it after his dad what was his dad's first name can't remember eric. patrick eric something like that yeah. so something like that or have a family nickname or a pet or a something 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 that is still you but isn't like i've this this thing is named after me only because potter calls the town after himself Okay. So it's Co- too close to his enemy. Co- how about Communismville? <laughs> yeah. The R- People's Republic Little, of- little Russia. <laughs> uh, so, uh, guess what? Uh, believe it or not, check out, the, <clears throat> check out the balls on me. I wondered whether there was another way of structuring this movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is this is how arrogant I am. Uh, Frank who? Uh, I wondered if it could start with George contemplating suicide and the angel arriving at the start and then... We keep flitting back and forth between them on the bridge, a bit like Forrest Gump on the bench. Uh-huh. And, and it sort of, it tells you each passage of time where George was alive. And then you follow that with each passage where he wasn't there and the difference that would have happened. I got quite far into that. And then I thought it just wouldn't work. And that's, <laughs> that's why Frank Capra did what he did. Yeah. yeah. So instead, and I know you were like, 
Frank Capra got a lot of letters about this. I, d- I need to see Potter suffer. And I've written alter- an alternative ending. That's right. Frank who? So Potter's a truly evil man. At the very end, I want him to be driving past the Bailey house when they're all singing Old Lang Syne from within. And then he's in the car with his right-hand man, clearly the only man who's his friend in town, which George singles out. It's like you and you. Yeah. Like they're, the, they're in cahoots mm-hmm. and this guy suffers Potter, yeah. but he is, in inverted commas, his friend. And then his, they, his friend stops the car, snatches the $8,000 from him and walks into the Bailey home and realisation crosses Potter's face that he truly is alone and he was wrong about how he lived and George was right. Yeah. I need to see that. Or, or... And okay. he doesn't even take the money. It's in Potter's hand and he's like, I don't even need that. I'm going in there because they don't need it because what they've got in there is worth more than that. Yes. He goes in for a mince pie yeah. and a drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he, Potter gets hit. Oh, wait. And then <laughs> yeah. Potter gets hit and, by a meteorite <laughs> that God threw down. Or Joseph. <laughs> Eaten by Jimmy. <laughs> Pecked his eyes out. Oh, I love it. And we are done. Shall we do a quiz? Let's do a very quick quiz because we are in the midst of the World Cup. And so this is a topical quiz about World Cup mascots. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm going to tell you about a mascot from a World Cup of the past. Uh You've got to tell me if it's real or have I made this mascot up? Okay. And we'll do one, one at a time. So, Alex, you're up first. Right. Was the England 1966 mascot Big Ben, but with a football rather than a clock for a face? False. That is false. I made it up. It was a lion called World Cup Willie. Yeah, I thought it might be a lion. Obviously. <laughs> Three lines on Jules. I used to think that when, you know, you know the song, Three Lines on a Show. I, I do, you know it, yeah. Yeah, and Jules Remay still gleaming. Yeah. I thought that was Silvery Mains still gleaming. Uh, I didn't know who drew it. I didn't really uh, know. Okay. Uh, Vicky. Yes. Was the mascot at Spain 1982 uh-huh. an orange? Was it in Valencia? Um, yes, fuck it, it was an orange. It was an orange <laughs> called Naranjito. <laughs> or Naranjito. Uh, Alex, was Mexico 1986 a jalapeno pepper in a sombrero with a big handlebar moustache? <laughs> Fucking up, no. True. He was called Pepe, I believe. Uh, true, it was called PK. Oh, PK! Oh, my God. Uh, that's a little bit of luck there, because I actually had the 1986 World Cup sticker album, and I had loads of PK stickers <laughs> all over my bedroom door, because I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> what are the chances? Uh, Vicky, was yes. USA 1994 uh-huh. the mascot called the World Cup Pup? No, it wasn't. Ah, yes, it was. Was it? Yes, was it? it was the World Cup Pup. And he was called Striker. Oh, I, I thought it was going to be that. an eagle. I'd have got that wrong. Yeah. But uh, I didn't get it. So, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Alex, was France 98 a baguette with arms, legs and a face kicking a football? False. That is false. <laughs> it was it was a co- it was a cockerel. It could it could have been anything yeah. though, based on the the jalapeno pepper <laughs> exactly. PK. It's some national stereotyping. Uh, Vicky, was Germany two thousand six a sausage called Brat? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was another lion. <laughs> and that's your lot. Alex wins three yeah. two. You've won the World Cup. Way. You've won the World Cup. No, 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 Vindaloo. No, no, no. Great stuff. All right then. So 
Let's move on to next week's Christmas clash. We've got a clue. It's from Victoria. Victoria, what is your clue for next week's clash? Father Christmas. <laughs> Great. <That'll do>. Yep. <laughs> you know, we rehearsed it earlier. Yeah, and we you, did. You said to me in yeah. the office, you said, I'm, I'm going to do it, but I'm yeah. going to do it with a bit, bit more. Bit of acting. Yeah. The trouble is, I ruined the the top of this show because I was like I can't use that clue because you beat me to it I need to think of something better and I fucking can't obviously mm. and for about 10 minutes I wasn't listening so I was like Father Yule change? <laughs> Yule change? Stop! What? Jesus! It's just more clues! It don't We don't need any more Father Christmas is enough Father Yule change? No! <laughs> Uh, until next week, then please subscribe on Apple and check in with it on uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe and check in with us on Twitter and Instagram at ClashPod and TikTok at ClashPod and on our beautiful uh, YouTube channel. Check out Clash of the Titles. Uh, but before then, we'll be back on Thursday, continuing this week's Clash as we talk the Bishop's Wife. Till then, have a great week. Clash of the Titles is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.